This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Same. Thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? How has your week been? My week's been pretty good. You know, it's Sunday, so we're about to start a new week. But this week is our last week before the holidays. How are you doing? I am doing great. We are running and gunning a little bit this week, and I do apologize for that. I have no problem taking ownership of the fact that I have been way behind this week. Uh, we're actually recording this episode and then I'm going to edit it and get it out for everybody to listen to on Monday. So it will go live here in just a couple of hours. But uh, my week has been great. Very busy. I had a, a job interview for a new position that I'm waiting to hear back on. So I was getting ready for that. And then, you know, with Christmas coming, packages coming in, wrapping presents, just getting ready for the holiday. I'm going to Target tonight for the third time at like 11 o'clock at night because they close at midnight for the holidays to get stuff. So a lot of running around and a lot of trying to get stuff done, but it's been good, busy, but good. And I'm super glad that we are here and getting to hang out. Cause you know, I tell you all the time, but this is one of my favorite things to do and getting to hang out with you is awesome. So super happy that we're here. I'm happy we're here too, John. I like hanging out. I feel like when we miss our regular scheduled zoom meetings, um, the weeks aren't as good. Yeah. And, I am right there with you. So for people who don't know, we typically try to record for the following week on like a Thursday. And these last couple of weeks, just because life is life, it's been like short on time comes out Wednesday. So we're recording Tuesday night or this episode mm-hmm. drops Monday. So we're recording Sunday night because we want to make sure that we're getting the episodes out. It's just been very, very busy. So hopefully with the new year, some of that will kind of slow down and we can get back into that normal groove. But the good news is we're making it happen and we're getting it done. And we got these cases and I am super excited to go through them. But before we get into this week's episode, we did want to let everybody know because Christmas is right around the corner. I mean, a week from today's episode, 
we got Christmas and then the week after that we have New Year. So we did want to talk a little bit about our holiday schedule for the year this year. Because the holiday falls on Monday, we definitely understand people are going to be spending time with their families, with their kids, probably not going to have a murder podcast on in the background for most people listening. So this year we will be off on Christmas Day and we will be off on New Year's Day. However, the Wednesday in between for the short on time, we are doing our best of the year episode. So we're going to do a countdown, the cases that we thought kind of affected us the most. We're going to put something on Facebook, maybe hear from everybody in the group or Instagram, what case really stuck with you and cover that as a little recap, best of 2023 year. So I don't know about you, Olivia, but I'm really excited about that. I've been going through the cases in my head already. Yeah, I'm super excited. I don't know how I'm going to narrow it down to my top three. It seems like we've done so many cases this year. It's been a solid 2023. It has. We've done a lot of heavy hitters this year, so it's going to be very interesting to kind of go through and see which ones you pick. I have a couple that I'm leaning towards, but I think after I make my bracket, like we'll see who ends up in in the final three, but I think it would be an awesome idea if we put it out on Facebook, right? So if you're listening, give us like a day or two, we'll put it on Facebook and you can let us know what your top three cases were. We can hear from the listeners. I think it would be really, really cool to kind of pick out what was the best for everybody involved. I agree. So again, just a reminder, we will be off Christmas day. We will have our Year in review, the Wednesday after Christmas, we'll be off New Year's Day and then back with short on times the following week. So after this episode, the next two Mondays, we're off, but you can join us on Wednesdays for those normal short on time year end reviews. And then after that, we're right back into 2024 doing it, you know, back to business as usual. So excited about it. I mean, it's just wild to think that we've been doing this for as long as we have. Yeah, May of 2024 will be three years, which is crazy. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Or two years, right? Yeah, two Two years. years? Two years. Okay. Yeah, we're in our second year right now. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. We'll be in our second year going into our third. So thank you for listening and sticking with us and supporting us to the fact that we could do this podcast for coming up on two years. It means a lot. Yeah, really. Well, what do you say for this week's episode? Should we get into it? Because uh, I'm Definitely excited to cover this. I will tell you, it's a little bit different than some of the cases that we've done before, but you know me, I like the historical cases. I like kind of going back in time a little bit. So this is one of those. And, you know, I don't know. Do you think we should just get into it? Yeah, let's just jump right in. Awesome. Now, I do want to kind of preface this a little bit because we are going to be going back to the time before the official civil rights movement era, right? Which was 1954 to 1968. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of what we're talking about in this episode does have to do with civil rights and the advancements of equality for people of color and things like that. I do want to put this out there. I know for a fact that I am not the person who should necessarily, you know, be the one telling the story, but I found it was very, very interesting, right? And if you would like to learn more We did go ahead and include the source links that you can go in and and read on your own. There's more content out there. Again, I know that there are people out there who are probably much better equipped to tell this story than I am. However, I found it very, very interesting and I didn't know about it. And if I'm not familiar with a case, sometimes I'm like, well, our listeners may not be familiar with it either. So I just wanted to preface that because, you know, again, I know sometimes when it's a white guy, maybe, you know, telling stories of people of color, like it can seem like, again, maybe I'm not the voice to do it, but I wanted to explain why I was getting into the story, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. All right. Awesome. So let's get into it. 
So Harry Tyson Moore was born in Houston, Florida in 1905. He was the only son of Johnny and Rosa Moore. And at only 10 years old, tragedy struck Harry's family when his father passed away suddenly. Now, Rosa cared for her son as a single mother until 1915, but she then sent him to live with his three aunts in Jacksonville. Now, all three aunts were women who were highly educated. And because of this, Harry himself would develop a passion for education. And as he got older, he excelled in school, earning Harry the nickname Doc among his fellow classmates. In 1925, Harry graduated from Florida Memorial College. Afterward, he took a teaching job in Florida's Brevard County, and it was then that he met Harriet Vida Sims. Now, Harriet was also an educator and an insurance broker, and the two quickly fell for each other. In 1926, Harriet and Harry would be married, and they would have two daughters, Annie Rosalie and Juanita Evangeline. Now, you have to remember that at this point in time, segregation was in full effect. As a young African-American couple, the Moors knew it was important to advocate not only for their rights, but for the rights of others. And in the 1930s, the couple would begin a mission of civil rights activism. Now, by 1934, Harry had organized the Brevard County branch of the NAACP, where he served as its first president. In this role, Harry would advocate for equal salaries, unsegregated schools, and equal voting rights for people of color. And in 1935, along with Thurgood Marshall, Harry filed the first lawsuit in the South to equalize pay between black and white teachers. Now, they would go on to lose this particular court case, but they would be the inspiration for multiple federal lawsuits across the state, and eventually their goal would be reached. By 1964, Harry Moore would be the state's NAACP executive director. Now, at this time, black veterans of World War II were coming home, and the demand for voting rights were at an all-time high. Because of this, the Supreme Court wrote a landmark decision in Smith v. Allwright, stating, states may not conduct race-based on primary elections, allowing people of color to vote. So Harry and Harriet used this ruling as an opportunity to organize the Progressive Voters League of Florida. This was an effort to mobilize African Americans to vote in Brevard County, and they used the slogan, a voteless citizen is a voiceless citizen. As a result, by 1950, over 50% of the African American community in Brevard was registered to vote, but the success didn't come without danger. So before we go any further, Olivia, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit here as we go through the story. I was just wondering what you thought, because to me, it feels like these two people who shared the same passion. They're both teachers. They're both educators. They meet each other in this pivotal moment of history, and then they both work together. They, they have the same passion to advance equal rights, right? And so I found it very inspiring as I went through to be like, oh, like these people were obviously supposed to be together. Like this is a universe being like, here you go. Like, here's your, you know, to use the cliche, like here's your twin flame, right? This is the person that you're supposed to be with. So what were you thinking as we were going through? The more seem very um, inspirational and I'm really kind of sad to see where this is about to go because I know that we're doing a true crime podcast, but I think that what they were doing in, in the time in which they were doing it, um, was huge. The fact that they made 50% of the African-American population register to vote at that time is is a big deal. But I have no idea where this is going to go. 
Yeah. And again, I'm right there with you. Like to think that you could mobilize that large of a number of the population. And it's not, you know, today we definitely face our issues and, and there's definitely systemic racism and, and problems with the system. And, and just, there's still racist people out there. Let's just be very, very real. But like at the time to think about how dangerous that was to be like, mm-hmm. we're going to get people of color out to vote. You probably made a lot of enemies, you know? Yeah. And as I said, the success of the work that they were doing didn't come without any danger. And the Moors had actually caught the attention of the Ku Klux Klan. And they were not happy with the increased voting rates encouraged by the Moors. In July 1950, only a few days before a primary election, five people of color were murdered in Georgia. But Harry T. Moore would not be silenced or scared. He would continue to openly fight police brutality and the evil that was the Ku Klux Klan. And this would lead to Moore's role in the Groveland rape case. Now, this is where things are going to get a little interesting, Olivia, because this is kind of like a true crime case within a true crime case. So just bear with me as we go through. Okay. So a little bit of background. In 1949, four young men of color were accused of raping a white woman in Lake County, Florida. Charles Greenlee, Sam Shepard, Walter Irvin, and Ernest Thomas. All four men were arrested and Ernest Thomas attempted to escape. Now, when he attempted to escape, there was like a manhunt for him, a bunch of angry white guys, you know, out looking for him. And eventually, a few days later, he was found and was shot to death. Now, you have to remember, at this time, claims of black men raping a white girl spread through the town quickly. And within no time, an armed mob of over 100 white men began heading towards the jail. But the sheriff convinced them to go home. Now, this case actually caught the attention of Harry Moore, specifically because the NAACP found out that three of the defendants had been handcuffed and beaten in Lake County, Florida. And the only way that the beatings would stop would be to confess to the rape, which Shepard and Greenlee eventually did. Walter Irvin maintained his innocence. Now, the court would eventually sentence Irvin and Shepard to death, and Greenlee would be sentenced to life in prison. Lawyers working with the NAACP would appeal to Florida's state Supreme Court, but they would be unsuccessful. However, they were able to convince the United States Supreme Court and a retrial was ordered. But what started as a victory for Moore and the NAACP would eventually lead to tragedy. First, Greenlee decided not to appeal for the fear that he would be sentenced to death, which that made a lot of sense to me at the time. And it really made me sad because this guy, you know, innocent and is like, I have to take this life in prison because if I don't, if I go to a retrial and they find me guilty, I could get death, you know, and especially at this time in history, like what are the odds? You know what I mean? Right. The odds are against him. It's like the whole system, the government, the local, you know, everybody's against you, you know? Then, as Shepard and Irvin were being transported for pretrial hearings, Sheriff McCall shot each man three times, claiming it was self-defense. Now, according to McCall, the two handcuffed men attempted to attack him while they were driving in the vehicle. Shepard would die, but Irvin would survive. And eventually, he was able to recover to the point where he could tell police what happened that day. According to Irvin, McCall simply pulled his car off of the road, and proceeded to drag the two men out of the car before firing. 
Now, McCall was notorious for his brutality against people of color, but year after year he was reelected. And this was because he provided the citrus growers of the area prisoners to do cheap chain gang labor. Now, Harry and Harriet Moore demanded that McCall be suspended from office, but he was found not guilty for the shootings of the two men. Now, it would later be discovered that the woman who had claimed to be raped had lied in an attempt to hide her husband's domestic abuse. So her husband was doing all these terrible things to her, and instead of throwing him under the bus, she was like, these four guys did it to me. And now all these people are murdered. Yeah. Yeah. There's two survivors out of four. You know, it's terrible. It's heartbreaking. And because of this, Moore would petition the governor at the time. He questioned why mob violence was allowed to occur and asked why the same officers who allegedly tortured their suspects were allowed to transport them. Now, while working on the Groveland case, Harry Moore was becoming Florida's leading civil rights figure. He traveled around Florida, urging the NAACP branches to take action to create equal school facilities and to fight to end segregation. But his relationship with the organization was becoming strained. Moore was not willing to compromise on civil rights issues. He refused to accept delays for African-American rights in the state. And as Harry Moore continued his fight, racial violence was increasing. The NAACP had been extremely successful in the 1940s and 50s, And because of this, the KKK would declare war on the organization. Sadly, this would lead to tragedy for the Moors. And I did think it was really interesting. Like he was fighting so hard and the NAACP just wasn't moving fast enough to keep up with him that he was like, come on, like I'm not slowing down, you know? And I thought it was very interesting. Like the strain that it's caused is because like you want things done so much quicker, you know? Yeah, it's out of his hands. You know, he can only be an activist, but it takes other people in positions of power to make these decisions. Yeah. And there's something I found so motivating about that, right? Where it's like you care about something so much that you're moving faster than the system. You're not putting the brakes on. I thought it was right. just really speaks to the dedication that he had. Now, this brings us to Christmas Day, 1951. Harry and Harriet Moore were home celebrating the holiday as well as their anniversary in Mims, Florida. It was a happy day at the house. The whole family had reunited for Christmas, but late in the evening at around 10:20 p.m., tragedy struck. As the family was in the home, an explosion rang out. Harry was blown into the yard and would later pass away on the way to the hospital. Harriet was badly wounded. She would survive for several days before passing away. And it would later be discovered that the explosion was no accident. Members of the Klan had placed a bomb under the home's living room. Now, nearly a year later, a grand jury in Miami would indict six Klan members for perjury. But sadly, no one was prosecuted. Despite this, separate criminal investigations were started throughout the years, and it would later be determined that four ranking members of the Ku Klux Klan were behind the Moore's murders. But again, no one would ever be officially arrested and charged. And sadly, all suspects have long since passed away. Now, Harry T. Moore would become the first NAACP official to die while in the line of duty. And because of this, protests and rallies were held around the country. But sadly, the Moors are not remembered in the way that they should be today. Their work set the stage for the civil rights movement from 1954 to 1968. And without the bravery of the Moors, we may not know the names Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King Jr. 
Harry T. Moore sacrificed everything for the advancements of equal rights. And when asked by his mother if he was worried about something happening to his family, Moore said, every advancement comes by way of sacrifice. If I sacrifice my life or health, I still think it is my duty for my race. Now, a replica of the Moore's home now stands on the very site of the explosion. The interior is designed to look the exact same as it did before the bombing. And there, their story is told over and over in hopes that their work will never be forgotten. So that's this week's case. And again, I thought it was really interesting because I never heard anything about the Moors in school, you know? Yeah, no, neither did I. And this is, it's so devastating and there's just so many different moving parts. You know, it just starts with their activism. Then that leads us to, you know, like you said, we may not know who Rosa Parks is and Martin Luther King Jr., had the Moors not paved the way and started to be proactive in the South um, to try to end segregation. And then when you get him involved in the case and of the rape, the rape case, and then come to find out this woman was just lying. And before that, people were already killed, you know, because they just assumed they were suspects because they were people of color and she lied, you know, so there was just, there was a lot. And then just to be at home on Christmas and, you know, the clan placing that bomb under there. That's just, it's just devastating all the way around. But this was definitely an educational um, experience. You know, I didn't, I knew somebody had to die. I just didn't know how we would get there. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where, you know, it's Christmas time, right? So my big thing is around every holiday. Like I like doing themes because I'm a nerd like that. So I was like, oh, let me look up some, some Christmas cases. I stumbled across this and really the synopsis was, you know, there were civil rights leaders at the time who a bomb went off in their home, like people murdered them. Right. And I was like, Oh, like, okay, that's, that's like a super interesting story. And I'm sure the historical context. And then when I got into reading it and just how hard they worked and how they, cause I can imagine at that time. And again, I don't know if I'm the right person to be talking about this. Right. But I can imagine at that time to even speak up and say, I think teachers of different races should be paid the same amount of money. We're doing the same job. You know, I think that people of color should be able to vote, right? Like at the time, I feel like those could potentially be deadly words to even say and Mm -hmm. to be so boisterous and publicly open as to get involved in a case that's happening in a different county in the state and to advocate so fiercely and ferociously the amount of bravery that takes. You know what I mean? And I was just blown away that I had never heard about this before. Yeah. You know, like like you hear about Rosa Parks and and the bus and you hear about, you know, the I have a dream speech and you like you, you know, I learned about Malcolm X in high school, but I'd never learned about the Moors. And I was like, they should be teaching every kid in America about this couple. Absolutely. Simply based on bravery, you know, mm-hmm. this was definitely a good case. You know, it's it's I liked the history aspect of it and I liked, you know, what the Moors stand for and, you know what they were trying to do. Definitely, definitely a good one. Well, when we talk about it, I think I know where it's going to fall, right? Or in the range that's going to fall. I have a feeling it's probably not going to be that high, but when we're talking about the deadbolt test, where do you think this one falls for you? I mean, I'm going to rank it kind of low just because I'm hopeful that someone's not going to place a bomb under my house in any scenario, but I, um, I'm going to put it about a two, but if I had to go with like the cool factor, like, I like the history aspect. I like what the more stand for, 
you know, I had liked that it was intertwined with another case as they were trying to like stand up for the other four men of color that were being falsely accused of rape. I liked all of that. So in that, in that level, I'm going to give it like an eight. Okay. And I'm there with you. I think the only thing for me, I think I'm going to put it in at about a four. And the reason I'm putting it in about a four is I am someone who, if I see something happening, like for example, the apartment that I lived in in Michigan, I heard this girl yelling, like yelling, like something bad was happening, like not far outside my door. And it was like two 30 in the morning. And I went outside and it was like this 19 year old girl who was pregnant and her like 120 pound boyfriend was like smacking her in the face and all stuff like right outside my apartment. And I immediately like gripped him up and I was like, what are you, you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Cause it's just one of those things where it's like, I think it, I immediately went into fight or flight and I was like, you're not going to smack your pregnant girlfriend. You know what I mean? So like I just grabbed him and put him up against the wall and then called the cops on my cell phone and they came and got him. But what I was thinking is like, what if those dudes came back three days later? You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's where I'm like, and again, I know it's, it's not at all equivalent, right? Like to no, what the but you're just did. standing up for something or you're someone standing up for something or someone and you're putting your life at risk. Yeah. And I mean, in that case, I didn't really feel like my life was at risk with that guy. But for the next couple of days, I was like, I don't know if he's, you coming don't know back who he is or who he's coming with or, right. If you he know, knows where you live, should you be, you know, then it's anything, you know? Yeah. And I have to be careful with that because it's, it's been something that like I've done, but like done before where it's like something is happening and like, I probably shouldn't, it's probably not great for my safety, but something is just like, you have to say something or like get involved, you know? And so that's, I think, where it, it's a four for me as far as the like the interesting factor or the cool factor or like, damn, I wish I would have known this before. Like this yeah. is a 10 for me for sure. Yeah. Well, that is where Olivia and I are falling on this week's episode. She's putting it in at a two. I'm coming in at a four. But as always, we want to hear from the locksmiths, the listeners. Where does the story of the Moors, their fightful civil rights, and their unfortunate death fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, come hang out with us. We would love to spend some time with you, get to know you a little bit better. Everybody's been posting pictures of their holiday trees. It's been awesome. There's so many creative people in this Facebook group. I love it. Because each one is different. I don't know if you've noticed that. You would think Christmas trees, they all look the same, but you see a lot of people's personality and the way they decorate their tree. And I was like, I like like I like this a lot. It's really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And I even had a tree to post. I know. I haven't posted mine yet. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done before I have to go to Target and then come back and edit this episode. <laughs> you got a lot to do tonight before midnight. So right. you just go ahead and uh, you can post your tree tomorrow. No, I'm going to post it tonight because, damn it, I'm committed. <laughs> so. <laughs> But just, you know, there's so many good people in there. It is so cool to see how this community is kind of growing. Uh, Megan in our Facebook group posted something really cool. She did a night before Christmas poem, but it's all serial killer based. It's really cool. You can read it, but she also uploaded an audio file that you can listen to. And it's got some really creepy Christmas music in the back. It like I was listening to it by myself in like the dark and I was like, Oh man. Yeah. This is like, this is gnarly. So check that out. That's up there as well, but please come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you a little bit better. And Olivia, this case again, kind of blew my mind from a historical point. Didn't really know anything about it. The other thing that I didn't know was if we were going to have a review to read this week and our listeners came through, we got some new reviews. I am so excited to read one. What do you think? Should we, uh, should we get one out there? 
Listen, the listeners heard us. They showed up. We had like four reviews since the last episode. Yeah, this week's review comes from 1234Megan4321. And I'm not sure if that's Megan in the Facebook group, but I guess we'll find out when she listens to this episode. Um, but they said, Olivia and John are amazing hosts. Their chemistry helps for a flawless storytelling experience. They are consistent with their episode release schedule, which shows how much they care about their listeners. They have full-length episodes and short-on-time episodes for those who need a quick listen. I love that they do the deadbolt test. It's such a unique and creative way to rate the cases they cover, as well as a way for the listeners to relate and get their mind cogs turning. I'm currently binging all their episodes and couldn't be happier with my experience. So thanks, 1234Megan4321. Got a cool name, and I liked your review. Yeah, and it's a big world. There's lots of Megans out there. But if it is the same <laughs> Megan, which I, I I think it may be, uh, definitely reach out. Thank you for leaving us that review. You know, we talk about this every single week, but these reviews, they help us so much. They get us into other shows' recommendations. They help new listeners find the show. And really, they help us to bring in more people into our community, right? Like, that's really all we're trying to do is just Bring as many people to our little family as we can. So leaving that review, it definitely helps. And Megan, we would love to send you some stuff. Again, we got stickers, buttons. We got all sorts of cool stuff. We talked about it before. We even got these little bags with little cartoon Olivia and John on them that we can send out. So we're not creeping people out with blank (laughs) packages and Sharpie. Check the locks. Check your locks and enjoy a sticker. But anyway, (laughs) reach out to us. Again, you can find us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter, check the locks. If you're in our Facebook group, you can send Olivia or myself a direct message. Uh, or if you're not a social person, email works better for you. Check the Click that email button, send us over an email, let us know where to send it. We'll get it out to you. And Olivia, if someone would like to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what's the best way for them to do that? They need to go to the Apple podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll all the way down to the bottom where you see all five stars, click all five stars and leave us a little bit of love and tell us what you think. And Olivia always says it best. So I don't have to Apple podcast, click the link, leave us those reviews. If you need, there is a cheat code. There's a link to Apple podcasts in the description of the episode you're listening to right now. It'll take you there. Leave that review. Let us know what you think. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. We got a lot of great stuff, a lot of exclusive benefits. We got stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all things you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes a little early and ad-free. So if you love Check the Locks but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to do it. Also, we've been doing some really cool meetups with all of our patrons across all the group levels. So We would love to get to know you, spend some time. It's a great way to get on Zoom, kick it for an hour or two. So if you like what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on, patreon.com forward slash check the lots, get signed up today. And as always, if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you are listening, checking out the episodes, and you're sending those links out to the people who are important to you. Just know that means the world to us. Again, it is all about helping our little community grow, get as many new listeners as we can and and just people that we can interact with and hopefully people that like the show. So if you were sharing what we do with the people who are important to you, just know that we appreciate that more than we could ever tell you. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to check the locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. 
We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, hope it's a uh, wonderful time for you and the family. Yes. Spend all the time and hug the ones you love. That's right. And we love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.